The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to a special edition of the VPM Daily Newscast. I'm your host, Sarah McCluskey. Hey, what do you think is going on? How can we respond to this? And so the question is, are you providing interventions for your root causes of your violence? You sitting up in the church and y'all talking about what y'all going to do or what, what need to be done or let's pray for them. We've been praying. According to the nonprofit Gun Violence Archive, more than 1,500 people, 17 years old and younger, were shot to death in 2021. This happened both in and outside of school settings across the United States, and it is likely that this year's total will surpass that tally, with more than 1,200 children dying because of gun violence so far. Over the past four months, VPM news reporters have explored ways Virginians are trying to curb the devastating effects of gun violence in our communities and how survivors and their families are learning to heal. Our series, Another Way, How One Virginia City Reckons with Gun Violence, starts with the story of a 17-year-old student from Richmond's George Wythe High School. Samaya Yellardy was shot and killed in her own home this past April. VPM news reporter Megan Polly spoke with her mom, Akia Purnell, who reflects on her daughter's life, loss, and hopes for the future. I spoke with Akia Purnell in her home in August, the same home where Samaya was killed a few months earlier. She told me about her daughter. I got tired of calling her Maya at an early age, so it was my mind. And it's different from... Maya, you know, so she different, unique, very unique, so. She was just always outstanding, like her smile, bright, she bright, she not doing what the crowd doing. Every neighborhood we moved to, she always had friends and they just knock on the door, mama coming out every day, mama, can I speak to mama? It's just my. Everybody loved my baby. Everybody. I have a lot of favorite memories. <laughs> One of my favorite memories, it's kind of weird, but it's my favorite. <laughs> Me and her was on his couch crying. <laughs> she had her first heartbreak, and I was going through a breakup. So we crying, we hating, we hating men right now. So both of us crying on the couch, Ooh, we understand. And I'm just talking to her, like telling her what to expect and what not to do and the do's and the don'ts. So her little sister come downstairs. And what y'all crying for? We stop, we look at each other and look at her. Don't get no boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was so cute. <laughs> the day Samaya was killed, Akia was out of town in New Orleans. 
but she'd been checking in with her daughter throughout the day and night. I got the call, and that was the most, woo. I couldn't do nothing else but get in the fetal position and just cry. I just cried for hours and hours and hours. The whole ride home, I couldn't get home fast enough. Then my flight got delayed. This is the worst situation I'm living through. You know, I don't want it to be like this. And if I can help, I want to do that, you know. I've been through a lot of things in my life where I can relate to a lot of situations. And I made it through them situations. And this is the worst situation that I think anybody gonna ever face in their life if they got kids. I asked her what she thinks Samaya would have wanted people to know. Put them guns down. Put the guns down. It's other ways. It's other focuses that we can focus on, especially if she can talk from heaven. (laughs) I already know. She mad about that. You know, she mad that she had to go out like she did. I never expected nothing like that. It's other ways. It's other ways. Megan Pauley produced this piece. The number of young people killed in firearm homicides has surged during the pandemic. Data from the state medical examiner's office shows Richmond lost more people under 26 years old than any other city in Virginia last year. After speaking with Akia Purnell, Samaya's mom, Megan Pauley visited some of the after-school and summer programs that are part of the city's gun violence prevention strategy. It's early August, and a group of about two dozen Richmond middle and high schoolers are settled around four tables at the Peter Paul Development Center with an adult at each one. Draymond Miller is hyping them up before diving into a serious topic, gun violence. So if I yell pause, I need you to say my life is worth it. Can y'all say that loud? Yeah. All right, so if I yell pause, what y'all gonna say? My life is worth it! All right, I don't know who that was, but good pitch. You got some good range, all right? Miller is a teacher who started his own company, Street Smarts Over Safety. Um, how many people in here either know someone who owns a gun, know someone who has been a victim of gun violence, Someone who maybe has passed away due to uh, the use of a gun. Everyone's hands go up. Researchers would call Draymond, or as kids call him, Mr. Dre, a credible messenger. Credible messengers are people who connect with youth through shared experiences. Here's Draymond, a day after the program. I've had experiences of uh, uh, living in places and opening up my door, um, and someone's bleeding at the front of my door. Draymond can relate to a lot of the kids he's worked with. So yeah, I've seen things like that, or I've seen people playing with guns, or I have family members who were killed by guns. Another group of middle schoolers in the city are part of a more intensive after-school program called We Matter. They've either witnessed gun violence or have siblings who've been involved in it. Trevor Walker works with them at River City Middle School. One student's father was murdered in front of him. 
But Walker says with the help of We Matter, he's thriving. He's building healthy relationships, not only with adults, but with other students. He's learning to trust people. His grades have improved. His attendance has improved. He's building a better future for himself. Over at MLK Middle School, Jessica Shin is working with another group of students who are in the We Matter program. She likens their trauma to a bear following kids around. When you have a bear coming home every day or it's very much present in your life, the nerves in your brain are strengthening in those areas of like, I need to protect myself, you know, that instinctive fight or flight mode. She helps them manage their emotions through journaling, breathing, and grounding exercises. And she hopes these practices will help them deal with the big traumas as well as everyday stressors like homework. That's my hope, so I'm <laughs> planting those seeds. No, check this out. Last one. This is the last one. Back at the Peter Paul Development Center, Councilman Mike Jones asks the kids what opportunities and programs they want to see in the city. 14-year-old Leilani suggests things like throwing block parties for kids to let loose and relax. After the discussion wraps up, she told me this is the perfect time to reach them. And I feel like this age group that they chose is the main age group that really starts to get into gun violence, really starts to get into gangs thinks they want to be included in this type of lifestyle, but they don't really understand what it's like to be in this lifestyle. Leilani turns over a piece of paper she'd been using to keep score of the bowling game they were playing earlier, and she starts drawing stars with black Sharpie all over the page. At the bottom, she writes, a million stars gone because of gun violence. Megan Pauley, VPM News. Schools are not the only place the city of Richmond and community members are trying to intervene to stop the violence. After witnessing a rise in gun homicides in Richmond, faith leaders have called on the city to make a change. Now, the city, Richmond police, and community groups have organized a framework to intervene. They say it's a holistic approach and directs resources to people caught up in the violence by meeting them where they are. Patrick Larson tells us more. One question was on Pastor Ralph Hodge's mind three years ago. What was keeping people up at night? That question was the focus of listening sessions Hodge was part of through the group RISC, which stands for Richmonders Involved to Strengthen Our Communities. Concerns about housing and education were common themes. And then for the very first time in a while, gun violence had come up. Gun assaults were on the rise in Richmond, and RISC members began looking for violence reduction programs the city could implement. They settled on group violence intervention from the John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York. The program reduced youth homicides by over 60 percent in Boston two decades ago and has shown major reductions in other cities, too. It starts with what's called a gun violence problem analysis. That's a data and intelligence-based approach that seeks to understand where and why violence is being committed and who is most likely to shoot or be shot. And so the question is, are you providing interventions for your root causes of your violence? Fast forward to April 2022. That's when Richmond released the new Gun Violence Prevention and Intervention Framework, GVPI for short. The framework brings together programs from the city's Department of Human Services, Richmond Police, VCU Health, and community organizations. Like the John Jay College program, it uses a data-based approach. 
Interventions are one of GVPI's central principles. The city and its partners are seeking to interrupt cycles of violence already happening in Richmond. VCU Health runs two programs aimed at survivors of gun violence and people close to them. Here's Zonda Miller, who oversees an effort that goes back to 2007 called Bridging the Gap. And the intervention specialist works with them as closely as possible to see what types of services they may need out in the community once they are released from the hospital. By filling needs like housing, employment, or transportation, interventionists can take a person out of a bad situation or reduce the likelihood they'll retaliate. VCU Health also employs three part-time peer support specialists who are often responsible for making the first contact with recovering patients. They have someone that they can talk to and someone that can listen to them, someone who can empathize with them, someone who's been there. Those specialists are known as credible messengers. Samuel Brown Sr., who oversees the city's implementation of GVPI, explains. Uh, and they go back to these communities and ask their friends, their family members, their uh, extended family members, hey, what do you think is going on? How can we respond to this? Richmond police also work with credible messengers. While GVPI is not police-led, Brown says RPD serves a critical role in the framework. Major Ronnie Armstead says programs like neighborhood pop-ups emphasize officers' connections to visible community groups, working with faith leaders, counselors, and more. He says increasing trust helps police direct resources in the aftermath of a shooting. We do look at, you know, who this individual uh, hung with, who his friends are, you know, both on the suspect side and the victim side, and we try to interject into these groups. RPD also uses the data from GVPI in its policing efforts. In August, the department touted nearly 200 arrests of people Armstead called, quote, trigger pullers in Operation Redball. Pastor Hodge and other community leaders criticized the operation for its focus on the city's public housing communities. Overall, GVPI is a new framework, and a lot of the pieces are still falling into place. But Miller is hopeful and glad to have backup from other city departments for her team of interventionists. She knows they can make a difference. Because a lot of times when you tell your story, you don't know who you may bring along with you. Patrick Larson, VPM News. Victims and their families say the death of a loved one due to a firearm homicide is a transformative experience marked by strained relationships and financial burdens. There are resources available in Virginia, but federal funding for those programs is declining. These support services come in various forms, but as VPM News reporter and editor Whitney Evans learned, providers are struggling to keep up with demand. There's a corner in Cynthia Bloomfield Woodley's apartment decorated with photos, clothes, and hats, a memorial to her two sons, Marquis and Jerry, and most recently, her godson, Preston. I miss him so much. I would have never knew how many more grandkids I could have had. Jerry and Marquis were in their 20s when they were fatally shot in separate incidents in Richmond in the early 2000s. Justice was served for Marquis even though it tore me apart because the boy that killed my son was supposed to be his best friend. The shooter in Jerry's case was never caught. This caused Woodley to grow uneasy about leaving the house because her son's killer was still free. That was a huge shift for Woodley, a social butterfly whose job was raising money for children's hospitals. I was reaching out 
trying to find a way to make everybody else happy in the community. She took disability leave and was in and out of psychiatric hospitals. When I lost my son, I didn't want to do nothing for nobody. Woodley says she felt like few people could relate to her experience. Family and friends fell away. Ikea Purnell had a similar experience. Her daughter, Samaya Yellerty, a student at George Wythe High School, was fatally shot in her home last spring. After my child got buried, everybody moved on. You know, I ain't heard nothing else from nobody. Purnell says she had a support system in her family and friends, but felt like law enforcement and organizations designed to help her left her behind. I feel like it's over. It's on to the next mother. The Virginia Victims Fund covered some of the funeral expenses, but Purnell says she still paid about $7,000 out of pocket. And she says she'd expected to get some help moving out of the home where Samaya was shot. It was difficult to stay there. Her family had to clean the crime scene. The next morning, that morning, I had to end up calling the detective to come pick up a bullet fragment piece that was in the shower. There are some resources available in Virginia for victims and their families, largely provided by Victim Witness Services and every local prosecutor's office. The state pays for those programs mostly through federal grants. But because of the recent spike in gun violence and homicides, these services are overloaded, and federal funding for victim services has decreased significantly. Everybody needs double of what's happening. Carla Reeves has been with the Hampton Victim Services Unit for 36 years. The crime is still increasing, but the number of people aren't necessarily increasing that provide the services. Dina Blythe's organization is also stretched thin. She coordinates homicide survivor support groups with the Virginia Victim Assistance Network. She says the criminal justice system is complicated and frustrating, and Woodley's feelings of anger and desire for resolution are common. We're trained to not mislead survivors that the criminal justice system is the cure-all and that there is closure through the criminal justice system. You have a lovely week. All right. You be safe out there. Woodley is still on a mission to see that her son Jerry gets justice. The Richmond Police Department recently reopened his case. Meanwhile, she's benefited from joining a support group and meeting people like Dina. I, I ain't going to say enjoying, but I appreciate that group because when you listen to other people, what they've been going through, you, you really pay attention. Woodley says she feels less alone, in part because she's learning from others that there is a way, many ways, to heal. Whitney Evans, VPM News. There are other ways gun violence is being addressed in Richmond Public Schools. Learn more by checking out some of VPM News' exclusive digital stories for this special series at vpm.org slash gunviolence. Stories for the series Another Way, How One Virginia City Reckons with Gun Violence, were reported by VPM News' Megan Pauley, Patrick Larson, Whitney Evans, and Meg Schifres. Digital editing was provided by Dave Cantor and Connor Scribner, who also created data visualizations for the stories. Chriselle Matthews oversaw photography and illustrations. The audio stories you heard today were edited by reporter and features editor Whitney Evans and me, Sarah McCluskey, VPM's newscast editor and executive producer of the series. 
Special thanks to VPM's news director, Elliot Robinson, and programming director, Travis Pope, for their guidance. And thank you to our community for sharing your stories, perspectives, and the legacies of those lost to gun violence. This is VPM News. VPM. There are so many issues playing out in RVA. I mean, pretty much anyone will tell you. There's definitely a lot of poverty. Finding affordable housing. Traffic, public transportation. Climate change and heat islands. Trying to find childcare in Richmond area. I'm Rich Marr, host of a new VPM podcast called RVA's Got Issues. Listen to the podcast starting May 22nd. Do you have issues with RVA? Haven't found out yet. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> 